that, uh, that's why I decided to, to make the jump. And, and I know that, you know, quitting your job and, and giving up your, your career in the middle of a, of a crisis or a pandemic sounds risky, but I think that uh, not having tried is, is probably even, even riskier. So. Welcome to the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, podcast number 19. I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. We've got another great invest guest lined up. And I'm going to introduce him in just a minute. Before I, but before I do, I want to remind everyone to hit the subscribe button if you're listening to the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And be sure to check out theinvestnest.com. Create your free profile if you haven't done so already. And uh, let's check out our blogs and articles and start networking. All right. And now let's welcome our guest to the show, Juan Carlos Bujeda. He is an investor who is currently working on some projects uh, in Spain, as I understand. That's but right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him tell us a little bit more about that. So Juan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thanks. Thanks, Travis, for, for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. You know, it's a, um, I think my, my profile and my background is somewhat different from uh, the other people we had on your, on your podcast. Um, I do come from the U.S. Actually, I... I studied in the U.S. and in New York. I have a, an engineering background. Um, I used to work as a construction engineer in, uh, in New York uh, way back when, seems like a, um, a lifetime ago. And um, uh, after a few years uh, in engineering, I decided to jump into real estate. I wanted to combine my double interest in construction and finance. So real estate seemed like, a, like a, an obvious choice back then. Awesome. That was around 2004. So um, I, I decided to join uh, New York University's Masters in Real Estate Finance and pursue a, a career in, in, uh, in real estate. So awesome. I started out um, uh, working at Ekman Ziff uh, as, as an intern for a few months. I was there um, as a mortgage broker. Uh, that, that was my first it was, this was like that in 2003, 2000, yeah, about 2003. So after um, a 15 year trajectory in real estate finance, working at the institutional level, I decided that uh, um, it was time for me to branch out on, on my own and start doing my own deal. I think you have a pretty cool project that you closed on something yesterday, right? Yesterday, yes. Well, congratulations, I forgot to, I forgot to tell you. you. That's awesome, everything, everything go well with the closing? Everything went well. Everything went well. Um, good, good. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm a real estate developer. I um, I uh, am now focused right now in on projects in, in Valencia, in Spain. Okay. Um, Valencia is a is a city in, in in the Mediterranean coast of Spain. It's uh, south of Barcelona, um, and actually has a pretty large uh, expat community here. And um, it, it's a city that uh, it's it's currently growing in terms of uh, its needs of, of its uh, floating population is, is continually growing has some really good universities and attracting a, uh, an ever greater number of students from, from abroad. So basically my my objective as a developer is really to capture that, that market which is currently underserved by applying by acquiring plots um, and creating uh, units for either people that are coming here to study master's degrees or bachelor's degrees or just here temporarily um, on like research projects. So um, th there is a, a lack of um, 
um, service departments or multifamily apartments in, in, in the city right now. So. That, is that like student housing? Mm -hmm. Is that right. what you're talking? Okay. And you're doing the developing on the deal. Exactly. So you're buying, you're buying raw land and, mm -hmm. and your guys are doing the construction. So that makes sense with your background and starting in the construction finance and then now fast forwarded it to real estate and, and developing, which is awesome. Right. So Spain, how, how did you end up Spain or why Spain? Is, is it that you recognize the demand there? Well, um, I'm, I'm half Spaniard. I was born in New York, uh, raised for the most part in New York, but uh, I also spent a significant amount of time here in, in Spain. My wife is from Spain as well, from Valencia. Um, so we always decided to, uh, we always wanted to come back. Uh, Spain has a great lifestyle. You know, the weather's great, the culture is great. Um, it's, it's laid back and um, we just, uh, after living in New York for 18 years and for another eight years in Madrid, which is the capital of Spain, as you know, uh, pretty hectic lifestyle. So we decided to come to Valencia and, and uh, do something different, you know, chill out a little bit, be more in control of our time um, and apply my real estate skills and just work on my own, basically. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Live the life you want to live, right? I mean, right. I... I can relate to that. I live just outside of DC, so we're not, it's not too, it's not very slow paced around here either. So tell me about developing, like what, how does that process work? Like, what does that look like from start to finish? You don't have to go into super granular detail, but just kind of high level. Can you talk us through what a project like that entails? And I guess where in that process you are right now? Sure. Well, basically, the development in, in Spain is, is somewhat different from what it is in, in the U.S. Um, here, the zoning laws are like super strict. So basically, uh, you have laws at the, at the state level, um, at the federal level, if you will. Uh, you have uh, um, laws at the state level and then laws at the, at the local level, right? So um, they overlap and the, the overlap of these really define exactly what you're able to, to build. And there's really no way for you to, to um, modify or change the project in, in any shape or form because um, uh, every project is, is uh, very specifically defined uh, by the local laws to what exactly you can build. So there's no, like, sure. no planning approval. I mean, there's a land and time process, but that takes many, many years and it's complicated. So I think that, that's the first major difference with, uh, with, uh, with the U.S. Uh, there's a lot less initiative on the part of the developer when it comes to land entitlement. Um, okay. A lot less creativity, if, if you will. Um, then another major difference is, is the, the depth of, of the financial markets here in, in Spain. In, in the US, uh, uh, banks treat business, uh, I'm sorry, banks treat real estate as, as a business, and you have many different banks and many different lenders that actually participate in the market. You have our money lenders, you have um, lenders that focus us strictly on construction, you have you know, investment banks, you have all kinds of lenders um, that across the, uh, the capital stack that you can tap into. Here, it's, it's not so deep. And one of the major differences that we've seen in the past five years is, is the emergence of these different players in, in Spain. So now we have the, tradi the traditional banks that um, fund uh, real estate uh, to sell, if you want to sell the individual units. That's where traditional Spanish banks participate. And then you have um, alternative lenders that will lend you at, you know, um, low double digits to, to do other projects, especially okay. uh, in terms of uh, bridge financing for, for deals. So I would say that in terms of zoning is very different. Uh, the depth of the capital markets are very different, which 
forces you to uh, do a lot of a lot of deals uh, with both equity. Okay. Um, so that's that's another another major difference. So you're you're more or less raising capital for these type of deals, unless it's unless it's like I guess what we would call conventional financing for a, a residential dwelling or something like that. That's straightforward. If you're going outside of the box or doing something a little more creative or I guess with a higher level of risk, there's not really institutional lending there that that would serve that purpose. So more or less your option is to raise capital. Is that is that am I hearing that correctly? Correctly? Exactly. Yeah, you just hit it on the nail. So I think that if, if there's anything that I've learned in the past 15 years is, is really to, to to make deals. I consider myself more as a as a deal maker, whereas my partner, um, if you can see that in my Instagram account, I, I yesterday to celebrate that or closing, I, I uh, uploaded a picture of my my partner and I at the uh, at the notary uh, signing on the uh, on the deal. Um, he's he has more of a construction and development background, so I'm more of the financial guy, the the, uh, um, the deal making. Okay. So I, I think we complement each other very well. Um, and um, I mean, I have to imagine a deal like that, as, as far as the financing goes, has to be, you know, somewhat complex. And you're gonna, I would, you know, you have to be thorough on every deal. But you're you're talking about not just, you know, a lot. I think a lot of times when people think about real estate investing and either repositioning a property or repurposing a property, they're taking something that's, you know maybe has some deferred maintenance and the rents are suppressed and they're going in with the vision of fixing the property up, raising the rents. And in something like that, you're, you're going for like a forced appreciation play. Your numbers have to be thorough, but you're, you're going from blank, a blank canvas of land, you know, with multiple uh, phases of development. And there's a lot that you guys have to deliver on, you know, from what you are telling your investors or your partners that it's not as simple as, yeah, the, re the rents in the area should be this and they're only that. So we're gonna dress the landscaping up, raise the rents, and then we're gonna, we're gonna have a higher net operating income and sell the property for this much more in five years. You know, you, you're going completely off of, not completely off vision, but you guys have a vision and a plan that has to be executed on. So when you're, you know, when you're doing the financial modeling behind that, you have to be able to really foresee what that outcome is going to be with whatever product you guys have on market. As far as like a risk standpoint, obviously there's, there's more risk associated with that, but are the, re are the rewards going to come because of that as well? I mean, if, if this isn't something that's very easy to do for people, obviously you need a lot of experience in specific fields, but are the returns going to be, I would imagine you're going to have some pretty good return projections for yourselves and for your, for your capital partners, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a, it's a project that in, in uh, it's generally risky if you um, if you're not familiar with the with the process. Um, okay. One of the one of the uh, milestones we have to hit on this project before we actually go out and, and start raising capital is is undergoing uh, the architectural the I'm sorry the archaeological um, uh, intervention on the on the land because this is. A former site that um, where there used to be a hospital in the Middle Ages, and there's uh, uh, the local laws uh, require you to um, to make sure that uh, all all excavations are done in conformance with uh, um, that, that there's an, an archaeological study that right. to make sure that the, none of the other remains are are um, are thrown away. Uh, that's our first major hurdle. Um, so. We managed to buy this property at a big discount to the market, and our returns are um, 
after tax for us, uh, which we have bought the, uh, the land with, with our own equity, uh, they're approaching about 3x. So, um, which is not bad for a development project here in, in Spain. Yeah, um, no, I mean, yeah, for sure. And, and, but you, but your factor, you, you guys still have to do the whole develop, the construction. So you're going through the development process right now, you closed on the land, right? And then now you have to, you're going to start to, to begin to build. Well, we have to go through the excavation and the, the archeological study. So once that's done, um, then we have built out the, uh, the foundations. And when that's ready, then um, obviously we'll be able to continue the construction work. But all that is, is in the context of a construction license that we, that we need to, to get from the, uh, from the municipality. So that's another milestone that we have to hit and another potential risk. So our, our idea is from a financial perspective, the, the way we want to structure this is to, for us to acquire the land, which we already did, um, undergo the archeological study, the, 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 ex the excavation, the foundations, and to obtain the, the, construction, the final construction license. And when all, all those risks have been taken care of, then we're gonna go out to the market and, and raise capital, obviously charging a premium on our, uh, on our equity, so. Got you. Okay. So right now, is it is it just you and your partner that's going to yeah. take it to that point? Okay. So you guys and you guys are pretty much self-funding. For now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is cool. I mean, I know I'm probably jumping around with the conversation. It's just because I'm so interested about it. It's this is a this is an interesting topic. How did you have the vision to pull all this together? This is a multifaceted project with many layers. You know, and it, it sounds like between you and your partner, you guys had. Uh, expertise in certain fields you know how did how do you go what were you doing before this i guess and then how did you go from that to this or were you doing other projects like this before this one right well i've always done these these same kind of projects but um at uh, at a more institutional level okay um, my former employer which is a, a an operating partner for institutional investors we did the exact same thing but for student housing Okay. Um, out Spain, and uh, we we put together a portfolio of um, more than three thousand rooms in Spain and Portugal. So, uh, but it was more uh, my role was more uh, focused on exclusively on the investment part, you know, dealing with banks and dealing with investors. Whereas my colleagues, they either dealt with the with the technical aspects of the deal okay. or the uh, administrative part of the deal. So, um, right now, obviously, my my role I'm self-employed right now, right? So I have to. Yeah jack of all trades um and this um and i was living in madrid back then so i moved to, to valencia about three or four months ago and um my, my friend my partner and he's my been a friend for for a very long time we've always been talking about doing stuff together so when he knew that i was uh, moving to valencia he was like hey dude you know we gotta check out this this plot come with me and when he when he told me what the acquisition price was i was like we, we gotta jump on this one yeah it's really good so yeah that's cool uh, that's awesome so you so you have experience in this more or less behind the scenes i guess it sounds like for the the uh your your previous position and mm -hmm. so you kind of know how all of this works and you're very familiar with the process obviously you and your your buddy and your partner decided to go out and just take this one on yourselves right exactly okay okay it was and, it was, it was big enough uh, to make it um worthwhile um but it was it was small enough that we could uh, tackle it on, on our own at least at this stage um if we were to fund the construction totally out of pocket without any financing that would be somewhat of a, of a challenge mm -hmm. but i think that for now um we were in a pretty comfortable position because we own the land outright 
don't mm -hmm. have any debt on it. So we can, if if the um, if the excavation turns out to take, you know, more than a year, it's fine. We're not. I mean, obviously it hurts our returns, but we right. don't. Uh, nobody can foreclose on our property, so that's right. a pretty comfortable position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And so, how many uh, do you have? The what's the number of units you guys will have when you're done? Oh, it's a small building. It's a uh, six units. Six units. Okay. And are you guys, once it's all complete, do you do you plan to hold it and, and just keep it for your own investment with you and your partners? Or what's the what's the longer term play? Our long term play is is really to max out on our um, on our uh, capital appreciation. Uh, it's more of a capital appreciation strategy mm -hmm. rather, than, rather than income producing. Mm -hmm. So uh, our our idea is to uh, max out on on our returns and rotate the capital also taking into consideration the point in, in the market we're in, right? So I think we, we, we are in a pretty good position right now because um, we're probably uh, heading into a, a downturn in the market. So by the time that we um, secure all, all the final permits and we get financing and uh, the project is built and stabilized, um, we'll probably be at a, another point in, in the cycle, probably in, in, the, in the recovery point. So I think that will be the optimal time to, to sell and probably cash out and maybe invest in another project before everything starts getting too crazy in terms of uh, pricing. So our goal is to really reinvest all of our profits and um, and uh, well, if if we two x our or our uh, investments, okay. obviously or you know a twenty year period, um, your capital appreciation is, is substantial. Yeah. So that, I mean, there's a lot in in that, and I'm going to try to kind of I think explain what you're talking, what Juan Carlos is talking about, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but he's going, when he's talking about capital appreciation play, him and his partner are putting their money into this. So there's a, a valuation almost as far as what this project is worth. Their plan is to take it to a certain point and then open it up to outside investors, but mm -hmm. at a much higher valuation than what they, their amount of money they put in. So instead of financing the remainder of the project with debt, like you typically would from a loan, of a bank, they're bringing in uh, equity partners from other people who, instead of giving them the money as a loan, they're buying equity, but at a higher valuation than what the amount of money they put in was. So in, in theory, or in a sense, you guys, you and your partner are going to kind of cash in at that point first, then you, I don't know how much equity you're giving away, just call it to say 50%. You, you still retain your 50% or whatever amount that you own. And at that point, I don't know if you'll have all your money or that's when you're going to realize your 2x or not, but either way, you're going to get money. You guys are going to cash in and get money back. That's not only going to finance the deal, but recover your own returns. And then you guys are probably in it, I would guess, for almost nothing or if nothing, and then enjoy the returns over the, over the remainder of the project. And then at that point, and then at that point, once it's done, determine if you want to s sell the property or, or cash in or what have you. Right. Um, yeah, this obviously um, any investor that looks at this project, um, and, and you know maybe one year from now we'll have all the permits in place. We'll have the foundations in place. We'll have a a bid from a contractor, um, which really uh, minimizes the, the the construction risk. So basically, we have all our, our uh, uh, T's crossed and our I's dotted, and obviously the, the return that he's going to get, or she's going to get on uh, on the investment, will be a lot lower than what we're getting. So mm -hmm. um, that, that enables us to capture that premium. In, in this uh, one year period. So it's, it's more of a financial play. Really. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's fascinating. Like how, um, I guess if there's people out there that are listening to this and curious, you know, about doing these types of, of 
projects, where would you tell them to, to start? I mean, I, I know this is somewhat of a unique situation. I think you're probably our first international guest I've honestly had on the podcast. So most of our listeners, I, I believe, are US-based still at this point. Hopefully, we're opening opening that audience up. But to, to the listeners that may be interested in getting into more about this, because I think a lot of the podcasts and, and books that we read are more in a traditional real estate investing sense. Do you have somewhere you could point people or any advice you could give people or recommendations on learning this stuff? I guess, obviously, going to school for a lot of the finance stuff would make sense. But do you have any pointers for people that want to learn more about this type of, of development projects? Right. Well, I think that the um, um, a, a good understanding of, of uh, corporate finance or, or real estate finance is, is, uh, really goes a long way. I mean, um, real estate, uh, private equity, which is basically from um, where all these ideas uh, come from, is, is basically just uh, based on the principles of, uh, you know, um, what an internal rate of return is or a, a net present value is basically, it's, it really all comes down to that. But this, I think a good understanding of uh, corporate finance um, or real estate finance really goes a long way. And really it's, it doesn't really take much more than that. Um, I think that uh, uh, talking to investors um, that are familiar with these terms helps a lot. Um, I think that if you're honest and you're not so familiar with these terms and you approach an investor and say, hey, you know, I'd like to do this deal with you, you know, what do you think? Um, you know, I think this is a fair return in the market. And I think having these conversations with investors, which are at the beginning, they're not really binding, I think really goes a long way. You know, real yeah. estate is, is a people business and the industry is, is built on, on the knowledge of, of people. So I think that um, having lots of conversations with many different parties is, is, uh, is key. Mm -hmm. It really goes a long way towards learning. Awesome. Well, you just said in there, you know, the internal rate return at present value. I think, if, I guess if, if people are out there listening and you want to start learning more about uh, what Juan Carlos is doing, and you're only more or less working in the real, real a residential realm of like one to four units, you may not pay as much attention to those, uh, you know, those uh, analytics or measurements, what have you. But if you if you start to learn more about like more of the commercial real estate, multifamily apartment buildings, and you do the financial modeling behind it, you know, net present value and IRR are the metrics that people use when they're evaluating those types of deals to determine if it's a good enough return for them to park their money into it. So mm -hmm. I think if, if you're curious about what Juan Carlos is doing, I would say start learn, trying to educate yourself and learn a little bit more about more commercial real estate finance, like what you've been mm -hmm. saying, and, um, and, and, and you know, how, to, how to analyze uh, multifamily deals. Probably there's, there's lots of books out there, obviously, about multifamily uh, investing. And I think some of those metrics and analytics that come from those types of books would get, would get you a good grasp on what it is that you're doing, uh, I would I would I would say. But to be honest yeah, with you, I'm sorry. Another, go ahead. Interrupt. Um, I think another interesting way to look at these deals is, is if you separate uh, the the investment part from the actual um, management or asset management of, of the deal is. Um, so, for example, the, the the arrangement that I have with, with my partner um, is that you know I put in most of the equity into the deal. Um, so I get a preferred return on, on the investment, right? That means that, you know, up to a certain rate, um, uh, I um, you can think of it as a, as a, as a loan to the, uh, to the, uh, to the LLC, um, basically, so that really accumulates a certain interest rate, right? So the, the loan accu accumulates a rate, so I don't, I don't get paid an interest on a monthly basis or annual or what have you. 
uh, I only get paid from the profit from the profits of the project, right? So that's why it's, it's preferred equity. It's not it's not really debt, um, but but it does accumulate uh, interest as if uh, as if it were a loan, right? So um, once once the, the project starts um, producing cash flow, um, the the loan the prefer, the preferred equity right gets gets uh, paid back, and when, once the uh, the project is sold, it should be enough to to pay back that preferred equity totally. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the profits get split um, in uh, uh, you know 50 50 between the, the investors and the uh, and the and the managers and I'm 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 a manager as well so right. um, as, as well as he so um, uh, here we have to uh, separate the the investment returns from the actual um, sponsor slash management returns gotcha. so I think understanding the, those concepts um, which is also important from the private equity world I think also helps. Because it really uh, helps you clarify, you know, and, and separate exactly, um, you know, how much the investor is entitled to and how much the, the sponsor is, is entitled to. Yeah. So it's like, I guess, some, what somebody would compare to like a syndication, a real estate syndication. And the preferred return, I guess, really, if I can see if I un I'm understanding you correctly, it's like, you know, you, you're pretty much get, making sure that the money comes back to you first before the other returns are then distributed to the other equity partners either on the on the on the on the, man, on the member side or the limited partner side or the, the, uh, the member side but you're, you're kind of like front in line so the preferred return comes off the top first almost as if it was like a business expense but it's really not it's just it's your return you're making sure you're getting your return on your investment first until I guess you get your capital back and then it's split up however you guys have the rest of it split up exactly okay exactly. That's, that's how it works and the advantages of being in the, in the preferred return position is that um, as you mentioned, you have like a cushion, right? So let's say the uh, um, you know the, the return of the project is you know my, my preferred rate is X, and the the return of the project is exactly X. Well, I get paid back my my preferred return, and the sponsor gets get zero, right? So I have that that cushion. The mm -hmm. sponsor's equity in the deal X as my cushion, so I always get get paid first. Right. Okay. Hence the preferred. <laughs> so, I mean, this is all, it sounds really, uh, maybe sounds real complicated to people, but it's, re it's really not. If, if you're interested about this stuff, I, like we said, you know, research real estate syndications, multifamily syndications. I think it's basically about how you, you, you can put deals together. It's really it, creative financing is one way to put it really. Uh, but outside of all of that and those complexities, the really what you're doing though it's the same as what i think a lot of people can relate to even if it's you know wanting to do a, a flip or they want to do a, a burr or they want to buy a, a duplex you know you're you're you did it's about people it's about partnerships right you and your you and your buddy said let's do this you took action you had confidence that you could do it you know you had your your regular day job and your career that i imagine you're grinding you know grinding out like we all do and you wanted more and you you, you and your buddy you know, combined forces, you partnered up and you took action and here you are out there doing it. Right. And so I think, I think a lot of people, whereas maybe the financial aspects of what you're doing may be lost a little bit or over our head. I know some of it's over my head, but those fundamentals from real estate, I think we can all relate, you know, you, you, you know, from all of us, individual, every individual out there that wants to get more out of life, whether it's financial freedom or living in the areas that you want to live in and, the living, you know, your best life or the life you want to live. It's about taking action and partnerships with other people and uh, making it happen, I think. So 
Yeah, I, that's your complete testament to that. But you know, I guess what was it that made you decide to take action? And had you been thinking about doing something? I guess you mentioned you had been thinking about doing something like this for a while. What was it that finally spurred you to, to say, "I'm going for it"? My motivation really was to be in, in control of my of my life and and the direction in which I wanted to take my my business. And basically, at, at some point, I just uh, decided that. Um, I was done with uh, uh, being told what to do. <laughs> I really just wanted to to be out there on, on my own. You know, it's maybe something genetic. You know, my, my dad started his own business um, when he was exactly my age in, in New York. Um, but I mean, exactly my age. So it probably has something with you know hitting that uh, your uh, the fact that I'm 40 now. And uh, this is an idea that was uh, hovering around my head for for a very long time until I really, really decided. You know. Um, even, you know, I think it's worthwhile the, the risk, you know, I have plenty of experience, I have contacts, um, you can always have more experience, more contacts, more capital, but uh, you, you're not going to get that time back, right? So I think that time is, is of the essence, right? Like, like people say, um, like lawyers like, like to say. Um, so that, that's why I decided to, to make the jump. And, and I know that, you know, quitting your job and, and giving up your, your career in the middle of a, of a crisis or a pandemic sounds risky but i think that uh, not having tried is, is probably even even riskier so um yeah and i think we were taking a balanced approach to it uh, i think we um I'm, I'm doing deals that are relatively small for now and other within my my means um not not taking um an extraordinary amount of risk i didn't put any leverage on this on this on this project so you know we're, we're taking things one step at a, at a time but um, um i'm uh in you know, pursuing something that I've been after for a very, very long time. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think, you know, whether it's hereditary or, or what or not, I think there is something in certain people. It's just that, you know, that entrepreneur inside of us. Now, I guess not everybody have it, has it, but a lot of people that are probably listening to the, this podcast and podcasts like this, you know, most likely have that same feeling or that same urge that I think you're describing. But like you said, you know, you could always have more capital, you could always have more this or that, but it's never going to be perfect, right? Yeah. Sooner or later, you can be as prepared as you're going to be, you know, as, as you're going to be. Sooner or later, you got to take action, you got to do it, and you got to make it happen. And it's never going to be perfect. But once it's done, you know, you did it. And now you can move on and hopefully do it again. Yeah. Um, but you can't do the next one unless you do the first one, right? Exactly, exactly. Starting is always is always the most important. And, um, you know, while I'm not doing deals, um, my, my objective is to, which is basically the, how we, we came into contact, uh, is, is basically to create the, an online school for, for real estate finance. So, um, you know, when I started out, I had to spend a good amount of money on my education to learn all, all these concepts. And I think that uh, with online learning, it's, it's much more, uh, education is much more accessible to everybody. So, um, our, our objective with, with this platform that, that we're building is, is really to make you know, real estate finance more, more accessible and sort of like create a community for people that want to learn um, these, this terminology and the, this way of thinking that's more important from the private equity world um, for, uh, for the entrepreneurial real estate investor to, to learn all these concepts without paying um, a fortune in, in master's degrees. And, and I think all this stuff is important because um, I know it sounds technical and complicated, but it really is not. Uh, it's based on basically just the basic principles that I mentioned, right? Uh, impression value and internal rate of return. 
I think learning these things is very useful because, um, as I mentioned, right, uh, real estate is, is a people business. Um, and when, when you are familiar with this terminology, it really allows you to structure deals in a way that uh, people are compensated um, in relation to their, to their risk tolerance, right? So if you are uh, a conservative investor um, and you're obviously going to expect a lower return, so maybe uh, you can offer a preferred equity participation to that person, or maybe you can structure it as debt, right? And give, him, uh, give that person an even lower return. Or if, there, if there's someone that um, has a higher risk tolerance, maybe you can do a mezzanine tranche, or they can participate as, as a sponsor in a deal if they are uh, like really comfortable with uh, undertaking risks and they have the, the experience, right, in managing uh, um, real estate uh, projects. So I think learning all the, all the uh, having all this uh, knowledge does not only prepare you to you know to work at an investment bank if you will one day, but uh, I think that at our level. At the at the small you know real estate entrepreneurial level, it really helps because it, it really makes you um, a better deal maker. So yeah, no, absolutely. Education is key. I always, you know, I, I try to preach that you you definitely need to know what it is you're talking about. You know, in any in any really in anything you're doing with life, but when it comes to this stuff, for sure. So so I guess tell everybody if they're interested in you know connecting with you or learning more about you or more about what it is your, your educational platform that you're, that you're promoting. How can people connect with you? I think right now the easiest way is through Instagram. Um, my account is a uh, real property investing um, altogether. And um, I, 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 I'm creating content. I'm, you know, right now I'm, I'm during my free time, I'm building up courses, building a course on principles of real estate investing where I'm, I'm going to try and cover um, the whole process of, of how um, a professional real estate investor uh, underwrites a deal. Um, so, but that's, that's in the works right now. So in the meantime, I'm creating like content and creating, uh, sharing stuff that's useful uh, and related to, to uh, the professional real estate investor. But the way, the best way is to really hit me up through uh, Instagram. Awesome. And that's real property investing, right? Right. Exactly. Awesome. That, this has been a very interesting conversation. I've, I've enjoyed it. Thoroughly. I mean, you, you sound like you're, you're doing pretty good. You got a cool project going on. You're living in a place that you like to live. Um, what else, what else do you like to do for fun when you're not, when you're not putting deals, putting deals like this together? Right. Um, well, as, as a typical in Spain, I, I, uh, I, I enjoy playing soccer. Um, well, I used to until, until I get injured recently, but, uh, I play a lot of sports. I love to spend time with my kids. I, uh, my kids, sorry. Um, I, um, I, I like to study. Um, I'm studying law part-time um, and uh, something I've been doing for a few years. I still have a couple years left and um, I like to basically spend time with my friends and family, but um, I'm um, really big into sports. Very cool, man. This has been, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on the show with me. I, I think, you know, I know I enjoyed it. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about Juan Carlos, definitely hit him up on Instagram at Real Property Investing. Um, Juan, this has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for joining me on the show. I hope you and your family mm -hmm. are, are staying safe in this, this challenging time. Um, and uh, you know, I, I wish the best for you guys in, on your project. Um, and I also wanna thank everybody out there for, for listening and joining me today on the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show. Uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button if you're listening to the podcast and 
Check us out online as well at on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And of course, check out theinvestnest.com if you haven't already. It's an online social community for real estate investors to network and learn. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for joining me and listening this week, everybody. I'm your host, Travis Murphy, uh, and you're listening to The Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Juan, thanks again. Thanks, Travis. Thank you for joining us on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today.